Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. now. Thursday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo. Burnsy, what's going on? Well, it's uh, 47 seconds left in yeah, the second oh quarter. The Celtics on. are beating the Sun 67-42. Can we just put the Discovery Plus on? For no, some... I got a good feeling about this one, guys. You I think, think a comeback is in order? Yeah, yeah, you know what? I think they're going to rally in the third quarter. Or mm. they're going to go down by 45 and they're going to pull their starters halfway through the third. Or that's going to happen. Why is Bally Sports Arizona? I love you guys over there. Yeah. There's not some fishing show you could put on right now. Somebody's got to be fishing. There's not some, honestly, like, like, like I'll, sometimes I wake up on a Sunday and having watched the Suns game the night before, and Bally Sports Arizona is still on the TV, right? Yeah. To, so it's on Channel 686. And it's some fishing show. It's some, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, mm-hmm. you, you tell me you couldn't show me that? You got to give me a replay of this nonsense? Yeah. Oof. Let's change that channel. Are you know what? We're, we're going to change that channel. As soon as I get a, we'll put on House Hunters International or something. We well, no. Like. See, if we do that, then we lose you for the day. Oh, yeah, because no, I do love that show. You're, you've, you've, got fo- something. you've got focus issues as it is. We put on your favorite show like that. You're just going to check out for the rest of the day. I did want to say that Chelsea did get Morgan Wallen tickets. She got them. Big. Big. It's good. Yeah, she had a code to get the tickets. Was the code she had a torture code. my husband? So I'm going to have to go sit through this Morgan Wallen. So she, and here's what she did. So she has this coach. She's on Ticketmaster. And she's looking. And I guess there's like some pit in the front. You know, there's a pit like in the front. So she's going to buy these tickets. And then it like knocked her out. And it says, sorry, it's not you. It's us. I'm like, okay. So she goes back in. And she gets this the VIP package is available. Fifth row VIP package. So she buys two tickets to the VIP. About an hour later, we realize... They charged us for all four tickets. Oh, four thousand dollars on my credit card right now. She bought four. T- she, so she thought she got kicked out, but she really didn't get kicked out. Wow. So she ended up getting the two tickets in the pit, and then the two tickets in the fifth row. And they're like, "Yeah, you didn't. We didn't want four tickets. Yeah. We wanted two. Not that you were going to. I don't know one song that he sings. Not, not that you were going to. Don't bother asking the Burnses. I think we're busy that night. To go to that concert? Yeah, especially if we're sitting in a pit. I think we're good. I No, I don't want the pit. I'd rather have the seat. I don't want because pit, you got to stand the whole time. Yeah, I think we're good. Which so, Enjoy that. So I think we'll take the seats, and then she'll just, I don't know, give the tickets away or sell them to somebody. Or invite the Burnses, who will really probably find something else to do if Morgan Wallen is on the agenda. i got to start listening to some of this guy's music, you so I know what he's really, saying. really do. Let's weigh in on our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. The final seconds tick away, and the final score here tonight, 125 to 98. The Boston Celtics continue their winning ways. Celtics get the win. 
uh, Al McCoy with a call last night. One twenty five ninety eight, and it wasn't even. It that's was just what I was so going to say. More, so much worse than that. That's how you know it's bad when you lose by twenty seven, and it's like that's nothing. Right. That's, nothing. That, that's nothing. That was that was not the pinnacle of how bad it was. That was one of the biggest ass kickings I've ever seen this team take. And now you know between the Dallas game and this game and the previous Dallas games for a team that's you know on the verge of winning a championship or a contender for a championship, man, they know how to take a beating. <laughs> like they do, they know how to take a beating because they've taken some real lumps. That Dallas game the other day was a disaster. They follow it up. I was totally expecting that they'd they'd ball out because they usually do. Like they they're really do. good after a loss. Like their record after a loss is tremendous. Um and they just didn't respond yesterday. They got down early again and then it just got worse and worse and worse. And you're like, can you make a run? Like, can you 10 nothing? Just something? Show some, it was nothing, nothing to let them get back into that. It got worse. It was 20 and then 25 and then 30 and 35 and then 40 and 45. And you're like, what are we watching here? Yeah. And what are we, what are really, what are we watching? was so bad. Yeah, Kellen pointed out in his uh, game recap piece today on ArizonaSports.com that over a course of about 126 seconds, it went from a 12-point deficit to a 24-point deficit. I mean, like that. And it was five straight turnovers by the Suns on offense. Yeah. And it was five straight poor defensive possessions by the Suns on the other end. 12 became 24 just like that. And you could... And here's, the to me, the frustrating part, because everything you said is right. The frustrating part is you could see them kind of mentally check out of that game at that point. Like, eh, all right. What, well, what, what point you, do you think they mentally checked out? Because I'm looking at my notes here. You got to... Uh, I'm I'm thinking about midway through the second quarter was when they would... Uh, right about Logist the time... deficit of the season. Brown hits a jumper. It's 54 to 30. They actually pointed out on the broadcast. That's the largest deficit of the season. Yeah. It was right about mid... I don't remember the exact, like, who had the bucket, who had the moment. There was just something in their body language, something in their play. It was... Devin Booker picking up dumb foul after dumb foul because he was three, frustrated. Three, Twenty-eight left. Yep. You know, it was it was right around that phase where you could just and, and you know what it was. Honestly, it was like somebody put Game Seven of the Mavs series on the the TiVo, and we were just watching that again. It was the same sort of level of checkout. It was the same level of yeah, forget this. When can we go? Are we done? And that's that's weird. That's weird to see that from them. It's weird that they're not normally even when they fall down by ten or twelve in the first quarter of the way they did, usually this team's got that kind of resiliency and that kind of, that life to them that gets them back in the game. Well, you did have Okoji for the first three-pointer of the game for the Suns, right? Oh, I, uh, you had Josh On my FanDuel account, yeah. you have no idea how much money I made off of that Josh bet. Oh, the odds I got yeah. were incredible. You won a million dollars by betting a dog. They couldn't, like, I just kept, who's going to miss the next three-pointer? <laughs> who's going to miss it? How badly are they going to miss it? Freaking bum. God, I mean, it was Brick City. Like, it was, just, it was Brick City. Like, they couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with their three-point attempts. Yeah, here's Monty Williams after the game. You take a loss that bad, it's hard to take anything away from it. Well, you can't take much from a game like that. The, you can say some things that fall under the category of coach speak. Um, we just got we got beat in every area of the game tonight. Um, there were some missed shots. I thought that deflated us um, a bit. But they, they took it to us. I mean, it's just as simple as that. We just felt like they had way more purpose in their physicality than we did. I thought that bothered us a bit. Um, but as far as taking anything away from the game, like there, there wasn't much to take from that. 
Problem is, you have to flush the Dallas game, right? And I don't talk about flushing this game. Maybe the toilet bowl's clogged. <laughs> like you gotta keep fl- you gotta keep flushing this many times. That might be it might be a clog in there or something. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, it was it was so ugly. I don't even know what to say because it was just so bad. And we'll talk about Chris Paul and Booker. Third foul with three twenty eight left. Monty keeps him in. He picks up the fourth foul with one oh eight left. And is you know, Tory Craig is back in the lineup, but man, he was a turnstile man. So Jalen Brown kept going by him like he wasn't even there. DeAndre Ayton getting the ball stripped from him. Hey, I'm just going to come take the You're going to hold it that low. I'm going to take the ball it's, away from it's you. It's like he was a rookie player all over again, watching him bring the ball down that low. That was, we could sit here and make a, a whole list. And since you started the list, let me, let me add to the mm-hmm. list a little bit. Okay. For my money, I, I think what happened in that game was Devin Booker missed his first few shots, just like he did against Dallas a couple of nights ago. He was what? 0 for 4, 0 for 5 to start that game. And he was 3 for 10 at the half. At the half. Okay. Yeah. He, he missed like his first four or five shots. I think he yeah. hit his first one on his sixth attempt. And you could just see everybody started pressing. Everybody. Booker started pressing. He got frustrated. Mikel started pressing. He started missing a bunch of shots because they were kind of looking to him to make up for the gap and they couldn't do it. DeAndre Ayton was doing his thing where he was the, bringing the ball down by his waist and he kept getting it stripped. Booker, I, I don't want to blame this one on Booker because it's not his fault. It's not all his fault. But he set the tone when he started missing those shots. You could just feel everybody start to press. Everybody. Everybody was trying to take that game over. Devin Booker was trying to was trying to get himself out of it. The defensive end, they got sideways because they were so focused on the shots that they were missing. And it led to this level of frustration. And Book, God love him, sometimes he'll do this. Sometimes those frustrations manifest itself in terms of fouls. Like he gets frustrated and he kind of takes it out on the other guy by fouling stupidly. Yeah. Yep. And it just cascaded into this. They were all pressing so hard, all because I think Devin Booker missed a few shots. And it's like, oh, crap, if Devin's not hitting shots, how the hell are we going to beat the Boston Celtics? Okay. And that's kind of the problem, right? Like, if Devin's not hitting shots, what are we going to do? But right? then how do you come out in the second half? So it's it's 69 to 42. That's a 27-point lead at halftime. You come out in the second half, Grant scores on a putback, Tatum hits a three-pointer, Blake Griffin hits a wide-open three, Jalen hits a three-pointer when, um, uh, what did I say, Book was late getting over on the pick, Blake hits another wide-open three, Tatum hits a jumper, Tatum hits a three, all of a sudden, it's a 45-point game. Yeah. How, like, how do you come out at halftime, down by 29, and not fight, just, to, just, just fight, try to get back in that thing? Because you already checked out. Because you already that, checked out. That, that can't happen. I know. I know. Oh, I'm not. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying because by then they were already just like Game Seven against the Mavs. They were like, "Yep, oh, we're done." Paul got stripped. Time to go. CA got stripped. Paul got stripped. I mean, you come on, man. Hold on to the freaking basketball. Yeah. It was a mess. It was. A, it was a mess. And now it's 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 the back to back games against the first the best first place team in the West that have put us in this position of okay, we we can't just flush this. We can't, you know what? Everything will be fine on to the next. You can't lose back-to-back games like this and just say, let's just move on to the next. You gotta, you gotta, I think it was Gerald Bourget on Twitter last night. You gotta reflect on this a little if you're the Suns. Hey, what the hell is going on? Something's wrong. Yes. That we don't have the ability. This is the NBA. Everybody gets back into the game when you're down 20. Yeah. Everybody. What's wrong with us why that can't, we can't? You can't get, why can't you get back into the why game right we? now? Yeah. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, last night's game was also noteworthy because it was the return of Chris Paul. Not that we would have really noticed that much. That's next on the Burns and Gambo show.
Guns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Chris Paul after missing 14 games. Back on the floor for the Suns. Drives right side. Looks. About a 14-footer. Swish. It's good. Was that it? Was that the highlight? The first play of the game. I'm like, all right, I'm going to charge some of Chris Paul, right? First play of the game. Um, you know, he's able to get that 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 ball uh, to Mikhail for the basket. Um, Tatum and Brown stayed with Chris, and he just fed Mikhail for an easy basket. I'm like, okay, then he draws an offensive foul on Smart. Um, you know, then he, he's got the, the pass to Tory for a fast Blake lap. And I'm like, okay, this isn't a bad start. Get off to a good start. DA yeah. gets the pass from Paul, easy basket, 14 13. I'm like, okay, all six field goals are in the paint. And then, there we go. Then he hits a mid range elbow jumper, 16 13. Now from there, it just went all downhill. Okay. From there, it was like, okay, it's the, the took his first three pointer, didn't hit it, took another three pointer, didn't hit it. But I think that for the first couple of minutes, up until it was 16 13, what I was charting was okay. This isn't bad. This this isn't bad. He's, this this looks pretty good. Now it didn't look good from any point after that. There were the turnovers. There were the struggles. He got stripped for with the ball. He, yep. You know, again the three point shot. He, he, he took two of them. He missed them. I mean, overall, I I don't think it, it was good to get him back and get that get that out of the way because it had been a month. But we're not going to look at that game and say okay, that was a good Chris Paul. Game. No, and we had said yesterday, uh, knowing that Chris Paul was going to play, that we weren't going to overreact or underreact anything Chris Paul did out there, knowing it was his first game in a month, knowing it had been a while since he had played. He had, as you mentioned, 0 for 2 from 3. He had 4 points. He had 4 assists. He had 4 rebounds. He had 4 turnovers. He missed 4 of his 6 shots. He played 24 minutes. It, it, it was very, very uninspiring performance from Chris. And, and I suppose to have expected anything else from him would have been unfair after missing that much time. So you, I don't think, I mean, Unless you go somewhere, I'm not expecting you to go. I don't think you're going to get a lot of Chris Paul worry yet today based off of his first game back after missing so much time. But it was an underwhelming performance. It, it, it wasn't, in the, it certainly wasn't his fault. They lost the way they did last night. But Chris Paul's got a ways to go. But here's the other thing. Conversely, I don't think you can blame what happened last night on, well, Chris Paul is rusty. You got to give him some time. That's not what happened last no, night. No, they right? just That's, got annihilated by a team that is just yeah. much better than them. You, you don't much lose, better than them. You, you're not down 45 points halfway through the third quarter and pull your starters because your point guards missed a month and he's rusty coming back. No, Mikael Bridges did, Mikael Bridges was terrible. Devin Booker was terrible. DeAndre Ayton was terrible. Chris wasn't like it. That was a team effort in being bad. Like yes. they all contributed to being bad. <laughs> like and, and nobody was nobody after that game except for maybe Josh Okoji was like, hey, I played well, but everybody else was terrible. But on a bigger picture, I I do think. What Chris Paul's return last night kind of illustrated is that what this team is still lacking and what this team is still looking for is that legit number two to Devin Booker, right? Like, okay, who's that guy? Who? Because because Chris has Mikhail played at times, Cam at times, Da at times, but is there a is there a definitive number two guy now? The answer is no. And if there's not. Is that a problem? How well, big of a problem is that? I know we're going to get into that a little bit later, but let's let the best teams in the league have like okay, the Celtics. They've got a clear number one and number two, or a one and a one A. Yeah, you know that's the case. Um, and making this a Chris Paul specific conversation for the first two years of this arrangement. Devin Booker and Chris Paul were one and one A, and we debated which one's one and which one's one A. Yeah, who's Batman? Who's Robin? Last night, not that I expected Chris to. 
B1A in his first game back after a month. But you see how they operate, and it's pretty clear that they don't really have that number two guy. By And we thought, we kind of thought they had solved it. We had hoped that without Chris, that at times Aiton stepped up and had big games. At times Mikel stepped up and had big games. Neither one of them did last night. And if Chris Paul's not going to fill that void, if Aiton's not going to fill it consistently, if Mikel's not going to fill it consistently, can they get where they want to go if they don't have that number two? That's probably that, not. That's what watching Chris struggle last night reminds reminded me of just thinking, man, if it's not going to be him, it better be somebody because if it's nobody, they're hosed. Well, they're then you're asking Devin Booker, score 40 every night and don't have an off game. Yeah. Score 40 every night. You can't have an off game. You can't miss your first five shots. You can't miss your first six shots. And we get in too big of a hole, we can't come back. So if you don't have that other guy to take out to alleviate that, look, we've always talked about book needs help, book needs help. And there's, you know, a lot of times throughout the, the absence of Chris Paul, there were guys that stepped up and played well. But against the better teams in the league, you know, they have, they, they're much more successful taking Devin Booker out of the game, making him uncomfortable, making it hard for him yep. to dominate. And that's when other guys, you know, you, you can't have a two for 12 performance for Mikhail Bridges. You can't have DeAndre Ayton making the mistakes he made. Those guys have to play, now I'm not saying flawless basketball, but I got to play really well to overcome the fact that Devin Booker is not going to have a typical Devin Booker type game. And, and I think Monty even said something about that after the game. Last night, like, look, I just can't ask Devin Booker to put on a cape every single night. I just can't ask him to do it. Will Chris Paul get better? Probably after the game last night. He said it felt good to be back. Yeah, felt great. Felt great for us to be my first time getting to play. You know, something like this every time you do something, it's new. You got that money cut for me. We play that for me, and then we're going to talk about what's next for the Suns. Play that for both. And Mikhail had, you know, tough nights. Mikhail had a few open shots early. He couldn't knock those down. It happens. Um, but you, to your point, we have to be able to do something else in a different environment uh, when those guys can't. Because I put a lot of pressure on Book. I mean, that's, you can't have the cape on every night, you know. And um, Mikhail had some shots from the corner. He typically knocks down. Um, we just didn't have it tonight. Okay, now here's the problem. Okay. Friday, New Orleans. They're the new number one team in the Western Conference after they beat Detroit last night. Right. Sunday, they New Orleans. Out some guys, New Orleans? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Andrew Lopez, their beat writer. Um, Willie Green said today, Brandon Ingram and Herb Jones will be out for tomorrow's game against okay. Phoenix. Okay. okay. So there. But this is also, I saw this interesting tweet, too, about the Pelicans. This is the latest they've been in first place in the Western Conference. Since Chris Paul was a rookie for that organization back in 2008. Wow. Nuts. But... If you want to go big picture, even bigger picture than that. Was Monty the coach of that team? I believe he was. I believe he was. I think Monty was the coach of that team I believe you are, was a rookie. I believe you are correct. Yeah. I've, I've, so. so this is the latest they've been in first place. Look, they're a good team. Um, I Did I expect that New Orleans and Memphis could take over and be the top, top teams of the West this year? No. Next year, maybe. Year after, maybe. Uh, I didn't expect that it would come this quickly. But Memphis and New Orleans are both really good. 
some of the other teams in the league. You know, the Clippers have struggled because Kawhi hasn't gotten healthy. Golden State had a terrible start to the season where they couldn't win a game to say on the road to save their lives. And then the Suns are starting to struggle now when they're playing better teams because obviously the injuries have become a major factor for them. And they just, you know, and when they get down, man, they just don't have that ability to get back up. And that's kind of scary to me. Ten of their next 14 are on the road. Okay. Uh, they are basically going to be on the road mostly um, for the next month or so. Things get tough, right? I, I mean, this is, and honestly, that's kind of what we looked at this. I think we were looking forward to seeing how the Suns would respond to things getting tough, especially with this week. We talked a lot about that on Monday. Here comes Dallas. Here comes Boston. New Orleans is on the schedule. This The schedule's brutal. Now suddenly we're looking at the schedule and, oh my God, look at the schedule. Because two days ago, 48 hours ago, I was like, yeah, bring it on. Let's see what they got. Let's see what they can do. Now it's like, oh, crap. Look at the schedule. Okay, those the next, I'm going to talk about this for a second. Yeah, those, next, for yeah. those next 14 games are going to take you till January 4th. You've got the two against New Orleans. You have three against New Orleans in this stretch. You also play the Clippers and the Lakers. You play Washington. You play Memphis. You're at Denver. You play actually you play Memphis twice. You play Toronto. You play at Cleveland. Oof. That's a pretty brutal, brutal schedule. Brutal. I mean, your easy game is Houston, and Houston just gave you a run for the money, right? They they beat you. And isn't it incredible how much the last 48 hours have shaped our perception of this team? 48 hours ago, we would have said, yeah, bring it on. Let's go. Let's see. Let's find out. Let's see what the Suns have against the best in the NBA. Now it's like, oh, God, what do the Suns have against the best in the NBA? That schedule's brutal. Three games against New Orleans, one against the Clippers, one against L.A., two against Memphis, one against Denver, on the road at Cleveland, on the road at Toronto. That's a tough schedule. Like, that is, uh, you know, you're not not going 12-2 and against that schedule. It's unlikely. No, you're not. All this week, listen to the Wolf and Luke show for the Pantera call-out. When you hear Wolf do the call-out, and it's still amusing to this day, dial 602-260-9870. Your chance to win tickets to see Metallica and Pantera at State Farm Stadium on September 1st. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we knew it was going to be a long contract. We knew it was going to be an expensive contract. The Diamondbacks were never getting Xander Bogarts after we saw what he got last night. That's next to the Burns and Gambo yeah. show. The Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. Okay, so there's 13 seconds left in the third quarter. The Suns are down 104.65 on the Bally Sports Arizona replay. How does it end? 104.65? 104.65. That's how the quarter ended. If they're replaying it, it had to go well, right? <laughs> I bet you Dario starts his fourth quarter. Because <laughs> you only replay the class. Okay, honestly. Well, hold on. Really? You have notes from this part of the game. Why? Yeah, Tatum hits a layup to make it 104-63. Why? The start the fourth. Dario, Landry, Lee, Akoji. Oh, Peyton Pritchard scores. Yeah, I mean, I are, are you troubled? Are, 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 are you... Are, are, why? Are you hiding in shame behind your notes? <laughs> I mean, seriously. And this only comes from a place of love. This only comes from... Your co-host of the last dozen years or so, you've got pages and pages of notes from the fourth quarter of this game. 
Why? I got a sickness. I need help. I truly need help. I there was I need any help. game not to do it. I it need help. This one. I, mean, I really do. I need help. The look, need, on, the look help. on Lauren's face is one of. I know. I need help. Do we need to do an intervention here? It's sort of like a. Do we need to call like a professional? Well, I'm the one that screened the callers for the Suns post game oh, last night. God so bless your soul. Woman. Even having to deal with that, I can't imagine taking notes through that game. Right after they subbed out Lee, uh, everybody, Lee Payne, Biz, Okoji, and Landry came in. Brown hits two free throws. <laughs> then Okoji hits two free throws. Seriously, I, hits the leg. I, I have, I, I, I know. You have... I have an illness. I have a sickness. I really do need to retire. You, just, do you, well, you don't need to retire. You just got to scale back. Just scale back. Downshift. I don't know how. Just, just, okay, you could just go, you know what? I I'm going to put the notebook away now. I, I, just go, go, I really away. don't know how. <laughs> I don't um, know how to scale back. I want to learn. I truly want to learn. We can help you, Gambo. Let us help I wanna you. I want to get better. I want to improve. I do. We're, we're trying, Gambo. We're, you know what? Maybe publicly shaming you is the only way that we're going to get through live. to you. I want to live. <laughs> <laughs> I want to live, Clarence. Bert, I want to live. Bert, look. <laughs> Zuzu's battled Bert. Bert, look. My lips bleeding, Bert. It's uh, funny. I'm going to have to watch that this weekend. Oh, my all right. God, you have to. Sorry. Well, I just, let's all watch it. Let's everybody commit to watching It's a Wonderful Life this weekend. And let's take notes at the very end. Everybody. Yes. <laughs> and every then, time a bell George, rings. then George Bailey goes into the bar and nobody remembers him. And then <laughs> the, the bartender squirts the, the water in the, in the bum's face. And then, and he said, Gambo's going to give us the play-by-play of It's a Wonderful Life mm. in the fourth quarter, even though we've all seen it 10,000 times. Eric, I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's fine. I just want to get this in before the Twitter poll music runs it's out. It's going to run out any second. What do you got for All us? All right, guys. The Phoenix Suns need to do something, but what is it? A, B, or C? A is trade multiple assets for Kevin Durant. <laughs> B is upgrade, but not with a superstar on KD's level. And C, just wait it out until they're healthy. B. B. Oh, look at that. We B. agreed. B. Yeah, B. They, they, they're... This is revealing that they need to do something if they want to contend for something this year. But I, not for a superstar. I mean, if it's available, I certainly would think about it, but I just don't know how... I think the other options are more plentiful and they'll have more choices to do it that way if they want, so I'm, I'm B. Put me down for B. B. Audience say? This one, a close one, although there's been a little separation recently. 43.7% leading the way is B. Upgrade, but not with a superstar. In second place at 40% is trade multiple assets for Kevin Durant. And in last place at 16.5% is just wait and get healthy. All right, we got it in before the music ran out. Good job, Eric. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. I have a suggestion. Here's what they should do. Mm. Uh, call Scott Boris and give Xander Bogart 12 years. Oh, my God. And $330 million. I'm sure he'll come in and help. Because that's one year more and $50 million more than what he got from the San Diego Padres. <laughs> Xander Bogart's last night. An 11-year, $280 million deal with the, this money's burning a hole in my pocket, San Diego Padres. Man, they were going to spend that money on somebody this offseason, and they spent it on Xander Bogart. Yeah, listen, it was never a chance that they were going to get him. I mean, on November 30th, November 30th, I tweeted out, it is high because the Padres, Diamondbacks, among teams interested in Bogarts. It was all over the place. Even John Morosi, many national baseball writers were connecting the Diamondbacks to Bogarts. I tweeted out, it is high 
highly unlikely the Diamondbacks will make a play on Bogart. The cost will be too high. Arizona is increasing payroll for this season, but too many needs to spend that money on one guy. You can take him off your list. I tweeted that on November 30th. Take him off your list. It's not happening. And I got to be honest with you, Bernsey, I'm glad I don't want to pay guys at 37, 38, 39, 40, and 41 years old. No. I don't want the Diamondbacks paying guys for five years when they can't play anymore. Yeah. It's a death trap. <laughs> it's a suicide rap. We better get out while we're young because <laughs> tramps like us, baby, we were, we're born to run. run. Sorry, you just you did a line there and it just triggered, right? And baby, I just, we it's a death trap. It's a suicide Suicide rap. We got to get out while we're young. Um. Yeah. No. No. It you're right. Gonna happen. No. You know what? I never thought it was gonna happen. I, I was. I was curious why John Morosi kept reporting it and, and kept speculating on it. Like, where's, where's he? Because just logically, you step back and you think about it. And you go, no, no. The Diamondbacks aren't gonna give one guy that kind of years and that kind of dollars. They're, they're, no. And so I, I don't understand why a little bit of common sense didn't kind of filter into the conversation. And I like John Morosi. I think he's a really good baseball insider. I'm surprised that there wasn't like this. Let's stop and think about this for a minute. Are the Diamondbacks really going to do that kind of thing? It was never, it was never going to happen. Listen, agents have an agenda, and a lot of national baseball writers rely more on agents than they do owners and you know uh, GMs and coaches and stuff like that. You know, I I'm I'm I don't have a contact with Scott Boris. I rely more on the information I get from the people that are making the decisions locally. Um, but I do think that there are a number of national baseball writers that, you know, that, you know, you know, are, are tied in with agents. Now, agents are not always going to tell you what's real because they want, you know, I would love for you to put out that the Diamondbacks are interested. It'll help drive up the price. So, you know, you tell them, you, you're talking to an agent, hey, who's got interest in both? Oh, the Diamondbacks, man, they've had, we've had three calls with them. You know, Kendricks has spent money before. Don't forget Bumgarner, Zach Granke. They need a shortstop. It's never going to happen. But, you know, now all of a sudden, a, a national baseball writer who doesn't have the ties to the Diamondbacks organization puts out that they're going to, you know, that they're, but they never were. Like, they wouldn't, they kicked the tires on it, but it was never going to happen. So I think sometimes the agents have an agenda and they use people to get that agenda out there. The, the most interesting part about this is not the Diamondbacks' role in this because there was never going to be a role. It's the, it's the crazy money the San Diego Padres are handing out when you consider they're the 27th largest TV market in Major League Baseball. They have now handed out three contracts of at least $275 million. Only the Yankees have done such a thing all time in the history of baseball. Not the Red Sox, not the Dodgers, not the Cubs, not teams that historically are big spenders in the marketplace. And I get it. They got an owner. He's rich. I get it. They sell out that stadium a bunch. I think they had the sixth highest attendance in Major League Baseball. It's so I'm sure they're making stadium. money off of that. But, but I, it's, it's way, people around baseball are trying to figure out where the hell the San Diego Padres are getting this kind of money. You know, no matter how rich the owner is, where are you getting? the kind of money that allows you to become the second team all time to have three contracts that are $275 million. And the other thing to come out of this, and, and I, I'm glad Jason Stark of The Athletic did this because it saved me the trouble of having to do the same thing. The age of some of these players when these deals expire oh, this is, great. is insanity. God, I love that you had that in your email today because it's just exactly what you don't want to do. Xander Bogarts is going to be 40 when this deal runs out. Aaron Judge is going to be He'll 39. Be 
he'll be a man. I'm 40. Aaron Judge will be 39. Trey Turner will be 40. Justin Verlander will be 41. Jacob DeGrom will be 39. Wilson Contreras will be 35. I, I mean, okay, I get it. Look at the teams that handed those out. Other than the Padres, the Yankees, tons of money. Phillies, tons of money. Mets, tons of money. Rangers, apparently they've got tons of money too. It's most of the big hitters, most of the rich teams in baseball doing it. They can afford to have a player at the end of a contract like that, right? And you're still paying him even though his skills have long since left him. They can afford to do that much easier. The Diamondbacks can't afford to have that. Hell, they can barely afford Madison Bumgarner right now with how he's not performing well in the latter stage of it. And he's right. not that old. Right. He's not 40. He's not 39. It's a, it's a weird trend. Remember, Gambo. This sport was in the midst of a lockout this time a year ago. They were fighting over dollars and cents and money, and now you got teams handing out contracts to players well into their 40s. It's crazy. Right, but it's not Tampa Bay, and it's not Pittsburgh, and it's not the Diamondbacks, and it's not, you know, a lot of these teams are not, you know, these lower-level teams. Look, it's a bad economic system. I mean, it really is. It doesn't really help a lot of the teams like, you know, like the Diamondbacks. So the Padres are just in a position where they truly have, you know, a, a newer owner who doesn't care, just wants to, and he's going he's gonna to lose a lot of money. I mean, but he wants to win a championship. And look, some people may like you. Everybody wishes they had that owner, right? I mean, of course, you know, you get an owner like that and he wants to spend money. You're all for it. But it's just it's the Diamondbacks are not in that position. They were going to increase payroll. I expect by about 20 to 25 million dollars this year. But they can't put all of that money into one player. And you certainly don't want to put yourself in a position where you're paying Xander Bogarts at 37, 38, 39, 40 and 41 years old. Can't do it. Do want to remind you that we've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast and it's super easy to subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You're not going to miss any of our shows. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. Cardinals return to action after their bye week on Monday. Some are picking them to upset a Patriots team that needs a big win. Who is picking the upset? We'll tell you next. Burns and Gambo. and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. First official injury report is out for Monday night's game between the Patriots and the Cardinals. Guys who didn't remember, today's basically their Wednesday because it's Monday night football. Uh, Byron Murphy Jr., Rondale Moore, DeAndre Hopkins, Rashad Coward, none of them practiced. DeAndre Hopkins is out with an illness. Normally he gets that first day of the week off anyway. Right. But it's just listed as illness for him. And of course, just hearing Cliff speak earlier in the week about Rondale Moore, and Byron Murphy didn't really get the impression that either one of those guys were going to be available this week. We'll see how the week goes. Greg Dortch practiced in full. So if they don't have Rondell Moore, maybe they'll at least have Greg Dortch out there. And I was reading a story today on the Nesson website, you know, the New England Sports Network, and one of their writers saying, you know, this, given how New England's defense has played as of late, that this might be potentially a matchup to kind of fear for them just in that it's going to be Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray and that and that maybe kind of get them all back together again. And we saw it last week against the Chargers too. They were all back there on the field. 
but that maybe him having more of a full complement of receivers to throw to makes him a little bit more of a threat for the Patriots to deal with. We'll see on Monday. I know there's some people around the league who think this is an upset waiting to happen yeah. on Monday night. You know, NFL.com, they, they kind of pegged it as an upset. Uh, New England at the Cardinals and they kind of the way, the, the way they put it. It's a, it's a two point spread. New England minus two. And it says the Cardinals don't inspire a lot of confidence right now, but they go on to say, look, for the Patriots, this defense has really struggled. They've allowed 24 or more points in consecutive games, losing both. They didn't look anywhere near competitive against Buffalo. Most of their problems this season have been on the offensive side where Mac Jones became visibly frustrated in a loss to the Bills. So perhaps the Patriots are the perfect opponent for Arizona to face with its back against the wall coming off the bye week. So Cardinals off the bye week. They've got their own issues offensively, no doubt about it. But they go on to say, if I had to choose between the two quarterbacks, it's clearly Murray. If it's between the choke coaches, it's Belichick. But as I mentioned, his defensive genius hasn't shined bright the last couple of weeks. So there's kind of a feeling like this could be a good game for the Cardinals. The Patriots are uh, they're not that good, but the thing with the Patriots is they are fighting for their lives in the playoffs. They're more of a desperate team. Now, maybe Arizona could just play loose knowing that they're out of it. Uh, Maybe they play loose and they can just let it roll, Uh, but the Patriots, they know they need to win this game. Yeah, it's so uh, it's hard to define, but I think that's really going to be the story of this game is Cardinals have five games to go in the season. How much does this matter to them? You know, how how we, we saw the Suns last night. They looked like the middle of the second quarter, looked like they were checked out of that game. Have the Cardinals checked out? Cardinals weren't checked out against the Chargers, I didn't think. I thought they played hard. You did too. I, I thought that was a moment I was worried they were going to be checked out because of how they played against the 49ers the week prior. They played well against LA. They, they were in that game. The only thing that did them in were those three fourth quarter possessions where they went three and out three consecutive times. What level of engagement do the Cardinals have? Because I would agree, if the Cardinals are engaged... The Patriots aren't that good. I mean, they're, they're, they're not, they've got a, no, one the, of the worst offenses in the NFL. They're they got, averaging about 318 yards per game. It's one of the worst marks in the NFL. 214 passing, 104 rushing. It's just not, it's one of the worst offenses in the league. Now, Matt Patricia's under a lot of fire and he's a defensive guy. It's, so it kind of fit that he's more of a conservative, you know, coach. I think Vance Joseph talked about that, that, you know, that, you know, it's, this is why the offense is what it is because you got a very conservative coach calling the plays. Uh, but they're not air- it out. They're not opening things up right now. They're not going to make any changes as we talked about because it's too late in the season. But it's not an offense that strikes any fear into you if you're the Cardinals defense. Here's Vance Joseph today, that aforementioned cut that you were talking about. I see an offense that's uh, running the football well. You know, it's a very conservative pass game. You know, lots of screens, all kind of screens. Um, it's like a defensive guy's calling an offense. You know, he's <laughs> it's how a defensive guy will call offensive plays, right? You know, let's 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 not turn the ball over. Let's let's get four yards of play and you know try to burn clock. And that's what they're doing. You know, that's what he's going to do on Monday night. He's going to be patient. You know, maybe take a shot here. You know, from time to time. But for the most part, it's, it's running game, it's quick game, and it's screens. You know, so that's I mean, the defensive guy. That's what he's that's what he's doing. He's calling like a defensive guy for call plays. <laughs> I that's love that just, cut. It's a great mark for <laughs> defensive coaches to be head coaches in the NFL. Not <laughs> well, no, because like, it's yeah, it's. What's going to happen is tomorrow when we both start prepping for the show separately, we're going to search New England Patriot stories on Google. I guarantee you we're going to see that quote pop up on Nesson.
Assassin and in the Boston Globe and in the you know all the websites that cover the New England Patriots because in New England right now, look, Bill Belichick walks on water, right, for everything he's done for that organization, as he should. He can do no wrong. He's getting some flack this year by the Patriots fan base. Like we we had this quarterback in Mac Jones who was showing some promise last year, and what did he do? You put a defensive coach in charge of his development? You put Matt Patricia in charge of of growing him and evolving him and making him better? What have you lost your mind? What's wrong with you? Yeah. And they're gonna take that quote from Vance. And mm-hmm. Vance didn't mean it in any ill regard, right? He wasn't trying to rip him. I think what he was trying to say is, hey look, if I were if I were coaching the offense, I'd be doing the same thing. Play it safe. Don't take any risks. Dink and dunk. Nice and conservative. Don't put yourself in a position where you're going to turn the ball over. That's all he's saying, but I guarantee you, that quote is going to get some run tomorrow in the Boston area. Yeah, I don't know that they like, Kingsbury was drafted by the Patriots in 2003. He was there for one year as a backup quarterback. I don't know that that really gives him any insight. No. You learn a lot, but that's, no. that's back in 2003. That doesn't give, doesn't give him any insight into trying to figure out Bill Belichick. No, if anything, I, I think you're just as you alluded to earlier, you're playing chess against the Grandmaster, right? I, I mean you're it's you, the Queen's gamut. You've got you've got the most famous chess player in the history of football on the other side of the board from you. And while he might not have the pieces that he normally has, he's still the best chess player in the history of the National Football League. And for that, Cliff Kingsbury said on Tuesday when asked what it would mean to beat Bill Belichick <laughs> Not that, not, uh, I don't want to say not that much, but um, it's just an honor to go against him. It's really humbling. It's, it's one of those deals where it's like you'd almost be embarrassed uh, because he's such a great coach. You know, he knows so much about football. He coached every position. He's the best to ever do it. Um, so it's more just an honor to go against him and try to, you know, match wits with him, if you will, at times. Hmm. It would mean a lot. I think it would mean a lot. You know, his team's been, what have the Cardinals lost, five out of six? It's not just beating (laughs) Belichick. It's just getting a freaking win. I'm laughing about it. It's just getting a win, getting a win at home. It was their record at home, their record in the last 18 games. I mean, it's like, I don't care who you beat. I mean, you know, honestly. I mean, you could beat Chandler High. They just need a win. Yeah. Greg Bedard, remember him? Oh, of course. Yeah, a New England-based football writer who once famously predicted the Cardinals to lose 10 straight games in the next year, win the Super Bowl. He's the founder and editorial director of the BostonSportsJournal.com. He just took Darren Urban's tweet with that Vance Joseph cut and just retweeted it. I'm telling you, it's already it's already started in the Boston area. Oh, the Cardinals defensive coordinator is, oh, yeah, they, their offense looks like Four a defensive coach. And a cloud of dust. Uh-huh. Their, their offense looks like a defensive coach is coaching it. Yep, that is going to get all kinds of run in New England, no doubt about it. They have completed their historic 14-game road trip, and it's finally time for the Coyotes to come home. We will welcome Bill Armstrong, the general manager of the Coyotes, home next on the Burns and Gambo Show.